1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: It's Friday evening, Friday afternoon, if you're listening to the podcast, and it is the huddle breakdown. We are here, the three of us, James, Alan, and Enda, and we're going to be looking back at Celtic's 2-1 2-1 victory against St. Mirren on Wednesday evening. A very, very tight, cagey game in a quiet Celtic Park on Wednesday evening. But a must-needed win as well from Celtic. Sort of pulled from the ashes from O, who really did well to finish off uh, a really well-worked move that included Kyogo and Ome and O to finish off uh, the goal. He runs to the bench to celebrate with Brendan Rodgers, which I think we might touch on later on in the podcast, and we're also going to be looking forward to tomorrow's game against Ross County as well. James Allen, how are you?
3: Very well, thanks.
2: So, who wants to kick us off for this 2-1 victory over St. Mirren? I mean, I missed the podcast earlier on this week, and I can imagine there might be a little bit of going over some very well-treaded ground at this point, James
3: It pretty much went, um, as Alan and I spoke about, um, I think the last 15 minutes on Tuesday, roughly Alan and I kind of previewed what what we thought to expect. I think we were generally in agreement, right, Alan? I mean, it was, um, they were well organized, they weren't like, you know, super duper deep bunkering, um, but they also weren't, you know, pressing high, um, relatively narrow, they played 5-4-1 Five four one for the most part as we thought they probably would and they have a pretty decent keeper and um you know when when you have some of the uh, constraints that we have relative to squad availability and strengths and weaknesses uh, from the people that were playing at the wing position and in the midfield um you know it was tough to break them down and pretty much the first hour it was you know kind of more of the same that we've we've seen recently against that kind of uh, opponent, uh, like we saw with Hibbs on the weekend, so um, I, th- I thought it was once again positive that the subs seemed to really bring something different to the game. Uh, I was really pleased to see Holm uh, show what he's capable of doing, and and I thought he was really really good. Um, I hope he stays fit and and gets more game time. And personally, was thrilled for O because. Um, you know, I I continue to be very optimistic on on his kind of track as far as development um, and even the data limited. I mean, he's not even got Allen's threshold yet in league games at Celtic, including last season, let alone this season when people I've seen people, uh, you know, being pretty critical of him on social media. Um, and if you look at his full sample size which, again, limitation there, he's basically matching what Jack Amakis did during his tenure at Celtic. Um, I think people have selective memory on Jack Amacus' uh, tenure, mostly from that period when he was on fire, um, when Kyogo was out injured. Um, but that was kind of buttressed by two periods when he was not on fire. Uh, so if you kind of blend all that out, you know, O's pretty much matching um, Jack Amacus. I was thrilled. He, he, you know, it's always fun to see a younger player get excited like that. And um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that was kind of my, my general summary and takeaways from the game.
2: Yeah, Alan, I mean, the whole Jackamachus story has sort of taken over over the last couple of weeks. Didn't help that Chris Sutton tweeted about it after the Champions League game. And it certainly doesn't help now that Giacomacchus has won the Newcomer of the Year Award in the MLS, uh, beating one Lionel Messi to the title. So, like, I mean, nobody is here saying that Giacomacchus is a bad player, but maybe we're saying that don't write off O because he's not doing what Giacomachus did uh, during the period that Kiyogo was out injured.
4: Mm. Yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, you know, Giacomachus' story, you know, this, it is selective memory. And we just got to remember that, as far as I was concerned, he was playing a, a fantastic role at Celtic and he was doing it very well, but it wasn't a role that he wanted to play. So, fair enough to him. And he's clearly doing very well out of his move. And good good luck to the guy. Um, as far as uh, O was concerned, is uh, you know people have been getting me on his back this season, as James said, and you know like he's not even played a game, he hasn't even played a game's worth of minutes <laughs> up till uh, up till the weekend there. Um, so it's a bit early. Uh, he actually did pretty well last season, and he's 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 actually in terms of his, I know it's not, I'm not talking about playing style, but in terms of his numbers, he's very similar to Abada in that there's an awful lot of kind of bad decisions and dodgy looking technique in there. But there's also an awful lot of getting the ball in the box. There's awful lot, awful lot of um, getting on the end of things. Awful lot of you know, just causing trouble and mayhem in the opposition area. Um, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, quite chaotic, which is kind of what Celtic needed in a game like that, where it's become very predictable. We, we did sort of fall into that horseshoe. Um, so yeah. So listen, I'm, I'm not. I'm in, in no way have I given up on on O. Um, similarly, as far as the sort of Hope Kyogo doesn't get injured. Type debate. T- to be honest with you, would I don't think Ma- Maeda as a centre forward would be that massive a downgrade on Kyogo. I mean, Maeda got 24 goals in the J League from centre forward. He's preferred to Kiogo as a centre forward for the Japan national team, etc. So I, I'm not too worried. I'm not as worried about that position. I'm more worried about the wings, as as I have been all season. And I've been banging on about it, and it was very similar story to the hips game, um, and actually had James Forrest just hit the ball half an inch lower and scored against Hibs, that narrative would have been very different. And it would have been much the same narrative as this game of a stodgy performance, too slow, too many touches on the ball, everything going wide and round. St Mirren and St Mirren obviously had five strung across the back, four packed into midfield. So it was very difficult to to play through. Um, And therefore the onus was on the wingers. And, you know, you look at Luis Palma and you sort of think, right, okay, You have you have you laid the foundations in the performance to get the ball to your wingers? Well, Palmer had um, a receiving pack score of 124, so 21 times Celtic got the ball to him. And by getting the ball to him, that pass had already taken out the St. Marin midfield or good parts of it. So he's either one on one with the defender or he's he's up against a a, a, you know a depleted um you know defensive defensive unit and 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 from that he sort of say, well okay well, what what did he do with that? Yeah, how many chances did he actually create and he and he actually created four four chances, but they were all of low quality because they all tended to be you know long shots in the end um he actually himself he had um four shots, but again a collective x g of those four shots of you know point five two so they weren't they weren't all great chances so I actually thought thought Palmer did okay <laughs> he had a lot of the ball. But again, if you if you if you gave Jota the same volume of possession that Palmer had, I, I suspect you'd have got an awful lot more. So that's just mm-hmm. what it is. In fact, I'm just on Palmer to finish with, because again, I'm not I'm not being overly critical. I just don't. What I really think is we've actually ended up in the same situation as we have had with Hak because if you look at Palmer's strengths, he actually spots a pass pretty, well, um, and he's got a hell of a shot on him, and he really does look like a number ten forced out into the wing. I think as a number ten, he'd be he'd be pretty interesting, because uh, you know he could go he could go both ways. He'd have more space to operate in, and the uh, you know as I say, his shooting and his passing is actually pretty good. What he isn't good at is dropping a shoulder, or you know beating a player for pace, or any of the stuff that you'd want a winger to do. So you ended up with you end up with a one player on one side who's I think a number ten, and then you've got a striker on the other side who you're trying to make into a winger. Um, so what so, was so? All that being said, then what was refreshing was Yang coming on because I thought he was excellent, um, and it really was just about intent. And actually, it was the same with Mikey Johnson at the weekend. As much as people criticise Mikey Johnson, he got the ball and he went forward and he kept going forward and he kept driving the defence backwards rather than them always having the ball in front of them, which is what happened with with, with Forrest and Palmer a lot of the time. So yeah, Yang was Yang was excellent, and uh, I think that aspect of wing play was encouraging. But I still don't see. You know, you're kind of hoping that one of the four or one of the five comes on and does something, right? But there's no, you know, you just we're not seeing that consistency that we saw um, with from Jota, where every game pretty much there would be a, a level of threat uh, offered. So that that to me is the real the real problem area still. The, the wings and and you know, as I say, you either keep just keep rotating it and hope that each day one of them pulls something out the bag, or or you or as I say, you have to fundamentally change your approach and change your shape yeah In- because, sorry, just, and so just, just just, just so just to finish on because because the noticeable thing about the winning goal what it was it it might probably wasn't the only time, but it was one of the few times that Celtic played through the middle right we'd gone down wide we'd gone down the wings time after time after time after, time after again and gotten virtually nothing. The best thing that happened would end up with a shot outside the box we actually, and we went through the middle at pace, and that's how the goal was scored, and that didn't happen <laughs> that hardly happened mm-hmm. during the game going going through the middle yeah. at pace. In Palmer's defense,
2: I will say that it's incredibly difficult for a winger to create anything when there's seven or eight men in the box. You know, like it, if there's if the options aren't there, then it's in, it's pretty much impossible to create anything from them with the with the players with the Saint Mary players playing so deep. But also, I would say that the fact that James Forrest was playing on the right that does limit the ability to switch wings as much as Celtic probably would like to. Like if you think back to last year, especially with Jota and Maeda, they were virtually impossible to mark because you didn't know which one was going to turn up in the left wing, which was one was going to be on the right. They were constantly rotating that position. Palma actually did that against Atletico and that was where his goal came from. He switched to the right and Maeda went to the left. But with James Forrest, he's so right side dominant that there's just no option to switch him to the left hand side for five minutes and get Palma out to the right to get him onto his dominant foot to cross the ball in. So I think more to the issue of the wingers I think the fact that James Forrest is starting for Celtic in 2023 is more of an issue than Palmer potentially not being able to create a chance when he gets the ball um because it it can't just, you can't just be reliant on one winger to make something happen there has to be some sort of effort there for the other winger to be able to do anything with the ball when he gets it or the the midfielders to make daring runs so and then the midfield you're not getting the same dynamism with a David Turnbull as you are with an Aaron Moy because with Aaron Moy when he gets the ball his first decision is not to take a shot from long range it's to find the pass over the top of the defense and make that sort of defense cutting pass through the middle for a winger to run onto. so I think overall it was just there is a lack of creativity probably in the Celtic team Um, and I don't know what the real solution is James to that horseshoe effect other than getting some more darting runs.
3: Yeah, that, I, I think that's one of the, that's why I'm part of the, part of the reason why I'm um, so excited and optimistic about home is um, the data profiling exercise that I've done in the past. And I did on him suggested he might, and I, you know, just looking at some of his play in the past, um, some video on it, he, he he seems to have that ability to, you know, play that kind of Tom Rogich type of pass, um, and I I think that I'm I'm coming around to the the idea that Matt O'Reilly is was probably flattering to deceive a little bit in that way, um, where the statistics were suggesting that he was doing that, but in fact I think in retrospect that was probably a system um thing meaning that you know the, the the average chance quality was as much a system uh uh issue manifesting rather than him like creating great brilliant passes and i, I think that sequence for the goal the second goal was the kind of thing that um you know uh, a, a real uh, creative player is able to offer and i'm not saying you know O'Reilly's barren of that kind of ability. It's just that he's kind of come back to earth a little bit this season with respect. And again, I'll, I'll I'll commit a, a sin here and talk about the eye test. Um, you know, I, I think that's another aspect here where I, I, I just, I'm not seeing, um, that same kind of creativity from O'Reilly. And that's where, you know, when you're, when you're in a deficit wide and, um, you know, Hatate's out when he's the, one of the ones able to have those kind of moments of brilliance, and McGregor's outside of, you know, some of the over-the-top type of passes that he's gotten better and pretty good at providing. You know, he's not a line splitter. He's not the one that's going to play those kind of great through balls for the most part. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, again, I, I don't... I, the early consensus, I think, and I agree with Alan is that uh, Bernardo's probably not that kind of creative player either as skilled and, um, you know, as well as he's played so far, particularly def- defensively, but he's mostly been keeping it simple. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think Holmes, the one that really gives me hope that we've got one of those kind of, uh, game changing creative types in, in midfield potentially. Again, we kind of stopped yeah. that it's early. We have to see a lot more of it, but, um, that's where my my hope resides until we see what goes on in January.
2: Hmm. I, I do want to talk about the penalty situation, Alan, because I know you've been keeping track of the statistics <laughs> behind it and stuff like that. So I, I promise you, I will come back to that, but just one final point on the creativity and sort of the gameplay and the tactics for Celtic when they were, um, when they were chasing the game to try win it for the final 20 or so minutes Celtic, had basically got every man in St. Mirren's side of the pitch. They were like lame scales and um the rest of the defenders were on the halfway line. They were essentially playing midfield. The midfielders were further forward and the forwards were stuck behind uh, St. Mirren defense. At that point, Alan, I don't I genuinely don't see why Celtic need two defenders, two centre backs on the pitch. Because they're not they're not centre backs, they're playing center midfield. Lame scales was being asked to uh, carry the ball forward. And even Nat Phillips turned up at right wing as he did against Atletico at times when Celtic were uh, chasing a result there against Hibbs. I I genuinely don't think Celtic need those centre-backs on the pitch at that point. So is it crazy to say, take those centre-backs off and put on midfielders? So you have essentially four... Midfielders plus two extra in defense that are progressing the ball from where Cal McGregor normally would be. So you've essentially got six midfielders and then your forward players on top. Is that is that crazy? Is that stupid? Is that football manager nonsense? Yeah, I don't
4: know. Yeah. The problem is, so if you if you take one of the centre backs on, then what will happen is that the fullbacks will feel the need that they have to drop back and create like of a three because otherwise it's, you can't leave you you can't leave your centre back one and one. With their centre forward, they'll always have at least one centre forward, and St. Mirren usually tried to get two or three players into forward areas, the centre forward, then the two wide guys, you know, um, uh, uh, on either side, tried to you know hit support that striker. So if you if you if you down to one, then the fullbacks essentially will will be wary, and then effectively then you whereas previously you're saying I've got two players that are not doing a lot, why do I need two? Well, you've now got three players that are defending rather than two, so you actually make the system, you actually make the situation worse, I would argue. So you want you want your fullbacks to be um, empowered and free, and McGregor to kind of. Press on, and you do need the insurance of an extra man. You can't just defend 1v1. I mean, some, some, I, I, you know, I think Barcelona did that on occasions, but not, you know, you've got to be brilliant to get away with that, really, and have a lot of pace at <laughs> the back, especially, and a good sweeper keeper who uh, will become that third, third center or second center back on occasion. And we certainly don't have that. So, yeah, I think it's uh, listen, it, I think what you said before, and, uh, um about uh, combinations, it, this isn't about a magic one individual is going to solve this for Celtic It's all about coming up with a blend and a balance as a team. It's a team thing and it's a fragile thing. So, you know, Celtic were very effective in ED as a winger for, for, for the last two years, most of the last two years. Um, and even though, we, even though every week we tell you why he's not an effective winger, but the reason that he was effective was because within the, the constraints of, or the, within the, the system that Postacoglu had, it was that balance of that front three. It was Jota and Maida on the wings. So, what that gave you was it gave you one that was going to stretch the defense and one that was going to keep them thinking is he going to go inside is he going to go outside he's constantly on the ball what's he going to do you know is he going to cut in is he going to go around the back of us Etc. so oh, an but wanted to go forward so it was that combination of of outrageous pace and and control trickery and unpredictability that gave celtic a, a really balanced front line as far as threat so you never you know as a defender you never knew what was going to happen whereas what we've got now or, you know especially with Palmer and Forrest, is players who, you know, because Forrest hasn't got the pace anymore and Palmer has never had it, is is the ball just stopping and coming back. And then if you put Maeda in um, and no one's stretching the player on the other side, the ball's just coming back again. And I've, I made this, I'm not going to do it again because it was too time consuming, but I made this point against the Hibs game, showed, you know, the, a number of negative passes that the wingers played. And it was just outrageous. Um, it was like 70, 80% of their passes were what I call negatives. So they were either sideways or backwards. So, it's all about balance. We've got to we've got to find the balance. Uh, it's got to, and hope you know we're, we're we're as I say we're in this ridiculous situation, ridiculous because of the resources that we have. Where we're hoping that some of the players, some of the project players, actually step up consistently. And if and if they do, you know they might do it for five or six games. And then does the next one come in and does he do it for five or six games? Because I, I don't see another Jota, frankly, and I don't see another Aaron Moy in 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 that lot. You know, I agree with James in terms of you know home. Uh, and his his because uh, he's, he's just got a beautiful technique. He's got lovely balance, and he just he does, the ball. He takes care of the ball, and he's but he's also got a little bit of you know dig and a bit of uh, aggression and pace about him. Um, and, and as I say, I thought Yang was excellent when he came on. He's just really positive, but also with purpose and with skill. Even if he even if he didn't get his cross, in, he won a corner, right? So that's a positive. That's like a positive move. You, you, you've you've got you've got a positive outcome from that, right? So, uh, yeah, but I still think ultimately we've got to find that balance. And I think I get the sense that we're going to have to team and ladle throughout the season and just hope that on the day, one or two players turn it on. Because I don't see a consistent 11 that every week, you know what you're going to get, like we had last season. Mm.
2: It is a tricky time of the year. Like, it is, this is where the real league is won and lost, really, when these European games are on. Because you've got, on top of the European games, you've got the, the two league games or the league cup or the, the the Scottish cup coming up now soon as well. So you're basically playing two games a week the whole way through now until the middle of February. And, and that is tough for any squad, especially a squad that is depleted like Celtics with, with the amount of injuries that they have. But yeah, I would just like to see Celtic play with a little bit more purpose and a little bit more creativity and imagination when it comes to what they're doing and it's not just recycling the ball from one wing to another. It's like if you think back to like Celtic when they had Juranovic and Maeda on the right wing. And there was this lovely little combination play that they used to play where it would go up to Maeda. Juranovic would be running off his shoulder. He'd get the ball. He'd play it into Matt O'Reilly. And by that time, Dyson Maeda had made a darting run into the the box. Like Celtic played that. How many times did Celtic score from that or get a chance from that? And it was able to just carve a team open within three to four passes. They just don't seem to be doing that right now. And I don't know if that's a game plan thing that Bren Rogers wants a little bit more. Tiki-taka, play it out through the, the lines. Or if it's a confidence thing, or if it's just, you know, it's just not something that they're doing at the minute, James. But like there, there's not as many combination plays as we've been used to, grown grown used to see with Celtic over the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, I, I to me it seems like it's uh, more likely to be a personnel issue, meaning that you mentioned Juranovic, that was a strength of his, um, not really what Johnston has a glaring strength about him with, with that kind of movement, um, you know, as, as stout as a, of a defender it, it, he is, and he's got some pace about him given his size, he's not that laterally quick, you know, Dranovic kind of had more of the water bug type of movement. Um, and so, you know, even on that side, you've, you've got a, a reconstitution of kind of strengths and weaknesses of these players. Uh, and obviously you know, we've, we've kind of, um, beat the Jota thing to death. So, you know, it, it's just, there's different types of players with different profiles. And and that's why I thought the, the the second goal was of note was because it was more like that, meaning that you had that kind of, uh, triangular movement and guys making runs and those that nice, you know, interplay, um, that created the goal. So yeah, I, I, I it'll be interesting to see, You know, how much of it is younger players coming through and developing into some of that? Um, because I just, you know, the, the Greg Taylor, Johnston, um, Turnbull, you know, uh, those cogs in the machine are probably just, you know, Palma, it's, there's just certain limitations there, um, So that's my view is is more so that that I I don't think Rogers has made some major. I mean, I think the prioritization of possession over unbridled aggression has probably been taken from a, you know, a 10 to an eight. (laughs) You know, so it's still it's not crazy. It's just a slight tweak. And so that's why I think it is more a personnel issue.
2: Another penalty missed. Alan, tell me, tell me I'm wrong and tell me Celtic are not that bad at penalties
4: because...
3: PKs, you mean, PKs.
2: Certainly, certainly feels there.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, listen, we lost missed two this season, but, you know, you got to go back seasons to, um, you know, gather sort of meaningful stats on this because... No laughing at the back, but uh, penalties are quite rare events unless unless you follow one particular team. Um Cough, cough. <clears throat> so yeah, so to get a decent sample, you got to go back a bit. So in terms of tracking them within my own sort of records, um, in the basically long story short, I think since about seventeen eighteen, um, we're hitting about we're hitting seventy six percent, and the xg of a penalty is about seventy seven percent. So essentially, we're Average, which you were just kind of average. Now, I think you know if you really wanted to look into this more closely, what I would then tend to do is say, well, let's look at the penalties scored versus missed, and uh, and understand the context of them, like how how crucial were they. So, you know, for example, Jack is missing in the last minute at nil nil at home to Livingston is clearly a clearly a crucial miss. Somebody missing when you're four 0 up you know, the 19th minute, whatever, is, is neither here nor there, right? So you'd need to look at look at all that as well. Um, but, but yeah, in, in general, um, I think two things. One is overall, so this is an average. This isn't really telling you much about any individual. We're, we're average, essentially. Um, specifically, I think, you know, we have had in the past, if I think back to, to, to my records again, you know, Chris Commons was an incredibly effective penalty taker. I think he's, his success rate was well over 80%. Um Moussa Dembele was probably the best of recent times. His he, he hit 13 out of 14, which is 93%. And then uh, Sinclair hit 12 out of 14, which is um yeah, again, you know, high, high eighties, 86, 87%. So those are those are the the last three that I think have been what well, that had, had had a number of penalties to take. The, the, the other issue that we've got is that, you know, um Turnbull, who's you know, that's the first penalty in his career that he's missed. I think he's taken six from Otherwell and um Celtic, that's the first one he's missed. Um but he doesn't play he's not all guaranteed to be on the pitch. So you kinda need a penalty taker that is probably gonna be on the pitch. Otherwise it's a it's a revolving door. you, you don't get to sort of tavernier levels of muscle memory where you're taking one every week and therefore you know, you, you, you know you're know you very skilled at that particular um specific specific skill set because you do it, you practice it so much so we're not kind of anywhere near that territory um but yeah i think it would be useful to have somebody who's designated and who's going to play um my next thought would probably be Luis palmer he's he's five from five in his career um, and he's obviously clearly a very good uh technician as far as the way he hits the ball, so but yeah, overall, it's not you know, I think with my my reading of it as a celtic fan is there's certain there's certain myths that all football fans hold to be true. Um, one of them is that we don't score enough goals from corners, that you can see too many goals from corners, and that you you would be better if you played two up front, and we, we don't score enough penalties. And these these are things, if you ask any supporter of any football club, they'd all say these four things about their club. i almost guarantee it, right? Um, in actual fact, as far as the corners and penalties are concerned, we're just average. We're not very good. We're not very bad. We're just kind of average. But, you know, having said all that, it would be nice to have a a recognised, dedicated penalty ticker that you felt confident about when they came up. You know, as I say, probably Musa Dembele is the last one that you sort of, you knew when you stepped up and you thought, yeah, we'll be all right here.
2: Mm. Dembele had the, the lovely mix between arrogance and technique. Like he you, he had confidence that he was going to score it and that's half of the battle when it comes to penalties. So, uh, yeah, I... You know, like Turnbull is the logical choice for this. He should be the best at the penalties and overall at at training. I would well say he is, whether it's a mindset thing or a concentration thing. But, uh yeah, give it to give it to Joe Hart. Did you see his penalty a couple of years back? Absolutely smashes it into the net. So, uh, give <laughs> give him works. an opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> keep keep going, keep going backwards until you eventually get to the the the, the main man and goals. So, I mean. Going forward, it's never. I I am annoyingly pez- or optimistic about the team this season, probably to my own mm. detriment. Um, I currently would put this stage of performance against Hibbs and Saint Marin down to the amount of games that Celtic are currently playing with the players that they're currently playing in these positions. Ultimately, that comes down to a squad issue, but that's a bigger conversation. But is this is this type of performance uh followed following the Hibs performance this weekend is that something that's starting to worry you or do you think that maybe the the European form has masked what Celtic have been doing domestically a little bit
3: yeah put me in the uh concerned pile. Um and Alan's talked about it. I mean that we and we've mentioned it in the past. You've you've we've kind of got a magic and I say that tongue-in-cheek, a, a magic non-penalty XG differential threshold, right, for, to, to, to be a spreadsheet shagger uh, for a second here. And w- when you get, when you start getting closer to one, um, you know, that's when these kind of Hibs games and the St. Mirren games where you ha- all, all it is is an organized, uh, well or decently managed side that's set up defensively kind of playing for a draw and you know those really turn into coin flip kind of games with normal variance uh, relative to dropping any points and and I, i think that's that's what we're talking about here is you know um the difference between you know um 95 points in the league versus 98 versus 92 right i mean that that's the range here in, in, okay, you know, we, getting into that zone is where you'd say, okay, well, that's kind of where we would expect the league winner to be. Um, and, you know, So I,
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
3: I'm still not seeing enough yet that I'm confident that we're going to kind of stretch that on a durable basis with the personnel that we have, given what the transfer window was and, and the mix of players combined with, you know, some of the injuries. Um, and that's, you know, that's, just, you get back to, you know, you have a stretch of time when Hart maybe has a rough stretch or, um, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, you know, our, our, um, our opponent's bad finishing has swung the pendulum a little bit. Whereas, and we saw that again on, the, uh, on uh, Wednesday, is that the opposition keeper play has been better, right? And, and actually quite good against us, unfortunately, so far this season in, in, in total. Uh, so if opponents start to just finish a little better, you know, that's the kind of variance that I talk about where you might, you just need two or three games that should have been three points that maybe the pendulum swings to, you know, you drop points in a draw, let alone losses. Um, and that to your point, and, uh, this is the time is season when that's more likely to happen. Um, you know, particularly as we get into the, the dog days of winter and, mm. you know, I, I, I can imagine being, cause I'm ten, over 10 years older than Joe Hart. Um, you know, as, as the weather gets worse, you know, us older guys have a harder time staying limber <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the dynamism of our lateral movement suffers a bit as the temperature drops. Um, I wonder if so, this is going. <laughs> yeah. Well, calm down now. Calm down. Yeah, Got to yeah. keep our G rating intact. Um, but yeah. So that that's that. That's kind of the that that. Those are the a, a summary of um, mm. why I'm, I'm increasingly on the concern pile. And this is not been. This is not new. I've I've been. You know. That's why I, I talked about. Um, you know the 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 concern of Rangers being relatively proactive and in sacking Beal and then relatively looks like they hired at least a competent person, not, you know, um, and, and um, so that, that again brings the, the risk profile of the, the league campaign back into what I can consider kind of equilibrium, which is we're the favorites. Um, but not to the point where I'm, you know, nice and comfortable about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Alan, before I get your opinion on that, like if you were given, let's say, if, I'll give you a hypoth- hypothetical here. Um, so, memory is a weird thing, and people forget that under Postgoglu, the November to December stretch was hella, hella tight. Like Celtic scraped by a lot of big games in terms of getting pulling it out of the the bag late on. You know the. There's plenty of goals at last minute. The Ralston header against Ross County is one of them that always stands out to me as sort of one that built momentum for the season. But let, let me give you this hypothetical. If Celtic continue on playing not so great at the minute, it is just domestically not so great, but they do get results like this one uh, up until Christmas. The January transfer market comes around. Everyone seemed to be off the general consensus that Celtic needed a goalkeeper and a left-back in the summer and that didn't happen. Is a goalkeeper and a left-back still the priority signing for Celtic until the end of the season, in your opinion, if they keep playing the way they're playing at the minute or do they need another winger?
4: Well, I've broken record, right? You know, the shopping list is the same as it was at the end of last season. It's a goalkeeper and a left-back. You know, a box to box, potentially a box to box midfielder, definitely a winger because Jota left. That was an extra one, and potentially another striker. Um, I would say all those things would help the squad for sure. But the other piece of business that I kept mentioning, um, you know, probably didn't get as much attention, but I kept mentioning it as on the massively on the to do list is they've got to get rid of players. They've got to get people out the door. We've got far too many players. You can't buy, go and buy another six players when you've already got like 30 odd. So it's to me, it's still, imperative that we get a load of players out the door i mean i don't you know saw the accounts we're no danger i think we're i think um wage bills something like 51 percent of turnover we're not in anywhere near fsr danger zone in that sense but that's on the back of record revenue so you know but having said all that it's just not healthy uh, to have that many players so we need to make space in the squad for that refreshing i hope there is some refreshing done because you know I, i i um just before I get into that then, so listen, just last season, just as a reminder, last season, 6th of November through to uh, the 24th of December, um, the scores were Dundee United 4-2, but that was two goals in the 90th minute to win that from 2-2. Motherwell 2-1, Ross County 2-1, Aberdeen 1-0, Livingston 2-1, and then we kind of blew away St. Johnston and Hibbs Hibs before getting a draw. Ibrox in January. So James is right. You know that November December um, spell was full of sticky wins. <laughs> and that, was that, and that, that. that was me that said that.
2: That was a, Come yeah. Yeah, we, no, me. Come on, give me credit we, when we, I pull we, out we know, some stats.
4: We, we, so we know that you know so this is right. That you know this is how it's going to be now for the next sort of. We've got thirteen matches in the next kind of uh, before uh, the end of the year. So um, we don't. We also we don't have League Cup semi final and finals. So that's a blessing in some ways, I suppose. Um, but it's a lot of games. But so so back to back to the original question. Then I'm 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 kind of in the slightly concerned uh, pile as well. So if you look at all of the expected points models, uh, and there's an increasing number of them around now, and so there's generally two types of model. Let me just remind people because um, it can be a little bit confusing. There's there's people who to look at what happened uh, in the games, look at the XG etc., and work out. What would would if you if you if you basically played those games like ten thousand times? What leaked? What should would the leaked table look like? And you Celtic know, are five points ahead, but most of those models are saying it would pretty much be um, equal on top. Uh, if not, uh, the Rangers were maybe one point ahead at that point. And then what the ex, what the other type of expected model does is it says, okay, given what's happened here. I'm going to project forward and predict what's going to happen based on what has happened. So if performance continues the way it is, um, what will happen? And, you know, again, plenty of caveats for sure, but those models of some of those models have been proven to be quite, quite well predictive in, in the past. So they're worth keeping an eye on uh, and they're predicting at the moment, you know, that essentially it's a, it's a, it's a coin flip. It's like 50, 50, you know, at the top of the table. So, so i'm concerned for that reason because i can see that the underlying stats are we're still giving up too many chances we um not by my data but certainly by opta data we just about got beat below point uh, below 1 1 xg against uh, as an average uh, but that's been above 1 all season i've still got it above 1 on my data across all all matches um and you know the differential XG differential just isn't, isn't enough. Uh, our, our 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 XG differential uh, is actually second best in the league at the moment, but our post shot XG differential is actually by miles the best. So that's shots that that's just looking at shots that hit the target, um, and that's probably, to be honest with you, a reflection of that. Celtics um, attackers are better than the attackers at Ibrox, which I think we all kind of knew anyway, um, and that's going to be their 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 issue really. But we don't we're not matching them in terms of defensive solidity we're giving up still giving up too many chances so to me, you know it's frustrating because again you look at the resource differential, you look at the future resource differential it's going to be even bigger um and yet on the field uh, that differential is not is not that it's not not reflective of that or or not yet on the other side of it of the coin you know clearly i I've been pretty happy actually with our European performances I know the results. I know better than last season, but the performances have been, I think, very, very good. And it feels like we're just waiting. We're waiting for things to kind of click. But but we seem to be waiting every week. And 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 as I say, I've I've almost come to the conclusion that we're not gonna get a sort of a starting eleven that's gonna play the vast majority of minutes and games or that's gonna steamroll the teams. It, we're, we're almost on a week by week, you know, who's in form type of thing. Because we're dealing with young players a lot of the time, dealing with players that haven't established themselves yet. They're going to blow hot and cold. So, But also that that, that therefore introduces a huge amount of variability. Which Yang are you going to get? The one that was tremendous for 25 minutes at the weekend there or the one that just continually gave the ball away and couldn't get past his man? You Who knows? I don't know. Which one will turn up on any, any given week? So and I'm not picking on Yang. I'm just saying as an example, I can equally apply that conversation to any of the young young players that we've brought in. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm pre- I'm pretty anxious, not anxious, but I'm certainly uh, concerned. Like like James, uh, you know, let's 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 not pretend otherwise that the um, the underlying data suggests it's going to be a really really tight race. Let's not pretend that um, you know uh, Clement is is a you know, competent manager, and looks like he's, he's he's certainly going to get more out of that group of players than than Bill was capable uh, of doing. One brilliant performance uh, at Dundee doesn't make a season. They've got to do it week after week after week after week, and that's not easy. It isn't easy, as as, as we know, right? So um I'm not, you know, I'm just saying there's plenty of reasons to be, you know, concerned, legitimately.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I'll throw a couple of numbers into the mix here, and uh, to um, that speaks to this provide more context. So, and again, th- these are stats bombs. So, um, one of the, they, they break out through different phases of play. And, um, so one that I key on particularly relative to the, the title race is, um, XG from open play specifically, you know, so that excludes set pieces, corners, you know, free kicks, et cetera, et cetera. And my, my thinking is we need to be the, you know, the firm leader in that, because generally speaking uh the makeup of our you know squad is not going to be dominant in corners and set pieces and historically i think that probably is uh uh you know that's been the case and uh so as of that to, to alan's point um so we're conceding over double the rate of xg that rangers have so far this season now again there's there's issues there's there's been the injuries and, you know, so, but that speaks to the golf that has to get closed and, and their uh, the rate that they're conceding chances is about the same as we did last season. Now that ours hockey sticked up a little bit late in the season after, you know, we, we kind of locked things up so that, you know, we're. we're I, I think that's a little misleading relative to kind of the full and firing Ange side, which, which was. You know, we've talked about it, it was below 0.3 uh, from open play um, when when uh, we when, when Celtic were firing under Ange consistently over long stretches of time. So Rangers aren't quite that low, but they're in that neighborhood of what league winning teams have had in that kind of 0.35 to 0.4 from open play in, in prior seasons, and we're right about you know, just under 0.8. Um, so that that needs to come down, <clears throat> excuse me, and the chance creation is about the same and has been the mm-hmm. same from open play. So uh, that's where you get that differential is significant. And, and the differences in finishing, <clears throat> not only Rangers not finishing much, um, and they've been so putrid in that regard that even if they just swing back from putrid to bad, that's going to be an improvement. Uh, like you saw with you know the Dundee game, uh, and then you know opposition finishing against each of the teams, uh, our our opponents have been putrid, and that's not likely to persist for the whole season. So that's the kind of stat that has me, you know, um, anxious. Where even if we do improve, which I suspect we will, as you know we get healthier uh, and players get back, and maybe even with some reinforcements in the January window, the golf is so significant. That to kind of get to that point where I'm less concerned about these normal variance things, there's a lot of, lot of, um, improvement that needs to take place. Not just, you know, reasonable amounts of improvement. Mm-hmm.
2: Celtic do have a striker coming in in January, by the way. I'd say he's coming in before January. Um, Johnny Kenny returning from loan from Shamrock Rovers at the end of the season. So, I mean, if he if he's on the same trajectory as Liam Scales was after his return from Aberdeen, I mean, we're in for an absolute ball of a time uh, with Johnny Kenny. Just as a uh, as you were saying about the getting the players out, uh, Alan, I, I had a look on the at the Celtic squad on the on the website just to see like who I would purge if I had the uh, option. So. Uh this is this is just who I would get rid of. and now we're not talking about um I, I have slightly considered the UEFA situation where you need the homegrown players essentially uh in your squad, but I've I've also disregarded that in many ways because uh, there are a few players that you just need to get rid of that fall into that bracket. So in terms of the goalkeepers, you're I think you're getting rid of Benji Seagrest. You know, I don't know why he was brought in, in the first place. Defenders were really bloated in. I think getting rid of Nat Phillips sending him back, Kobayashi, no point in being at the club really, Bernabe, no point in having him at the club. Probably st- probably keep Stephen Wells, to be honest. I think he's he's decent and he's good to have in the squad. Ralston, we don't have any option but to keep, but if we had an upgrade on a, a backup right back, I think you're, you're upgrading on Ralston. I think you're getting rid of James McCarthy. You're probably getting rid of Kwan, who has is basically the itaguchi of this transfer window where he came in and he just has been the invisible man in Celtics midfield. Probably getting rid of James Forrest or letting him retire. Um, and then forward line, probably striking when the iron's hot with Bada in terms of his transfer fee and what you're going to get from him. Because, I mean, you probably would have got a lot of money from him over the summer, but the fact that he hasn't featured a lot this year you're probably not getting a lot of money from Mikey Johnson as well and probably unfortunately Marco Tilio, who again once again a, an invisible signing from this year's summer transfer window so you're talking a good chunk of about eight or nine players there that you can name top of your head that don't feature at all for Celtic and haven't featured over the last two years or when they when they would be called upon they're probably not good enough to, to fit into the team so a lot of work to be done getting players out, Alan. It, like, the, I think you're right, though, because like even if you talk about Manchester United, loads of people think that the first job for Radcliffe, if he takes over Manchester United, is to bring in Mbappe and loads of superstars. But his job is to get rid of all the dead the United have. And I guess Celtic are in a similar position, whereby they're one of the biggest sides. They are the biggest side in Scotland. Um and they've got all these players, but they're probably not going to get any money back that they spent in terms of those players.
4: So it just has to be sort of
2: a a write-off of doing business.
4: Yeah, And also you've got to then add in, we've got four players out on loan that are unlikely to feature. So Idiguchi, Montgomery, Shaw... Haxhbanovic are all out on loan, so uh, you know. I, I think you're a bit being a bit harsh on Tilly. I've never even seen the kid, so I have got, got to wait and see what uh, wait and see what, how he how he develops. Um, he's very much a very much a project. Really, um, so give give the, that kid a chance. But yeah, yeah well, I said two really, weeks
2: ago he was going to be the Jota replacement. So don't don't mind what I say. I have no consistency.
4: <laughs> you just say whatever for clicks and likes. I know. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the serious point is, there's, there's probably anywhere between sort of you know ten and fifteen players, arguably, that you we really need to trim out the squad. And like you say, whether whether we get any um, any transfer money for them. Uh, it's really just getting him off the wage bill and giving r- Rogers more flexibility to to bring in some uh, some reinforcements and, you know, r- improve on a situation that should have been dealt with in the summer, really. Um, yeah, listen, it's always, this is always, this is, you know, and, and as I say, I've said many times before, we've got to just up the uh, the level of um, churn uh, to, to to sort of, um, you know, create more overall revenue, which I don't think any of these players that you mentioned will do, unfortunately. but. Um, you know, you might add on to that a surprise sale of a of a star name. Although I don't think there's any pressing financial need to do that, but yeah, that could happen uh, if one of the players decides that it's time to, to time to move on. So all these things are are to play for. Although that, that the latter scenario is less likely in the winter uh, than it is in the summer. Uh, but yeah, loads of work to do, uh, and, and as I say, disappointing it, it wasn't done uh, in the summer. I think the the feeling seemed to be in in the in the building that they'd done their best, and it, you know it was they'd really tried hard, etc., cetera, et cetera. But you know we're we're demanding, <laughs> we have high expectations, etc. But yeah, loads of work to do. Basically, long story short. Absolutely.
3: The, the only other the other uh, aspect that you know um, concerns me is, and against total speculation, but I, it's one of those kind of things where I could see it. Is, you know, if, if you're an agent or somebody who's in charge of the custody of clients and placing them in their career, you know, if, if you see clubs that have a graveyard of players whose careers are being basically flushed down the toilet, <laughs> um, you know, and we have a roster of those guys where, you know, they're they're, they're in kind of Tweenerville. They're not getting game time. They're, there's no real place for us to play them. You know, the Lowland League's just not you know, viable. And and I know there's talk of some of the structural shifts from the SFA and that kind of thing. And, um, some interesting things that might be happening there. But again, if you've got 10 guys effectively that all they're doing is training, they're not getting any game time. And these are players that range from, you know, these are guys that should be playing it given their age profiles. Um, so if the if the if the club's not moving people on fast enough because they don't want to take some accrual right down on the financial statements and that kind of stuff. I mean that you get too many of that and it you know, you have um, disgruntled players, which I could see and disgruntled agents. Now, I'm not saying any of this happens. I could see it being an issue because this bloated squad has not is not a new thing. I mean, we've had a lot of guys that have not played much in recent years that probably should be for their own careers. Um, And, you know, that, that's another risk um, aspect of this that I could see being an issue.
2: Mm -hmm. Speaking of risk and uh, player load and not having replacements, Ross County tomorrow at 1230, followed by Atletico Madrid on Tuesday. So are we expecting changes from Brendan Rogers this weekend, Alan? What do you think it's like a, does does home come in? Does Yang come in? Does O come in? Like there, there has to be some consideration that if these players are going to play throughout the season as substitutes, that they need to be able to start some games so that the players that we're using in the Champions League get a rest before the games. I think that's very reasonable.
4: Yeah, we, I mean, we don't want another hip situation where clearly the team was you know, physically mentally jaded. So you wouldn't want to kind of avoid that. So that, that does it's, it's a balance, right? You don't want to have thousands of you know, dozens of changes, etc. Five, six, seven changes. That that doesn't help the team in terms of fluidity either. So it is a it's a tricky one. Um and again, players that came on and made an impact on the bench, will they be as impactful you know, starting against fresh defences is, is another thing you've got to you've got to think about. But yeah, I think you need to look at the schedule um, in the round and, and try and think how best to navigate through. Uh, I, I, you know, do you do, you, do, you, do you do things like you know? I mean, again, Liam Scales certainly, certainly, Peter Grant in commentary and and, and uh, Greg Taylor on the pitch thought that you know Scales was at fault for for the Saint Mirren goal. Do you you know? He, and he was probably the the worst in terms of too many touches, too slow on the ball, getting the ball forward. You give him a rest, uh, give give Navrotsky some game time. Would might be one thing I'd think about. I don't think we can just keep playing the game of right Turnbull, it's your turn. No, next game it's Bernardo. Next game it's oh, we can't do that either. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a balance here to be struck between players who like O'Reilly who went off uh, in, in in midweek and unrightly so. Um, resting up the O'Reilly's and the McGregors and the Kyogos. But in some instances, I think for example, on the wing and the other number eight position, you almost need to give somebody a run of games and say, right, you're you're playing the next three games. So is it going to be Turnbull? I mean Turnbull actually was okay. He scored a good great goal. He he did okay in the time he was on the pitch. Um home also. Um and Bernardo had done quite well in especially in European games. And actually in in a way Atletico Madrid I be quite keen to see a midfield of Bernardo and, and matt o'reilly because it's going to give you a lot of uh, you know physical and defensive strength so does that mean that you give him the game at ross county because then so so i think so, so you know i don't know the answer to all these things but these are the sort of things i'd be thinking i'd be thinking can i get, can i can i take the burden off of some guys do you know, would home do a good job in mcgregor's role at ross county for example right do i need to play o'reilly for another 90 minutes at ross county versus how do I get minutes into, if I'm going to play Bernardo, how do I get more minutes into his game? If I'm going to play um, home as a number eight. How do I get more minutes into his game? If Yang actually is the in one, how do I get more minutes in, into him? So for me, it's about, you know, balancing all of those those concerns, I would say. What about yourself, James?
3: It is a tough turnaround. Um, you know, playing up in Dingwall on a Saturday and then – I know Europeans are, you know, know, it's not like us U.S. people are used to driving ten hours to get places. So you know, this stuff you you people struggle with this. But um, you know, getting from Dingwall back to Glasgow—I say this tongue in cheek for the people that are not watching, hopefully. Um, So getting back to Glasgow and then turning around, getting to Madrid for a Tuesday game. I'm pretty—it's a Tuesday game. I'm pretty sure um, to go play a team that you know. they're going to have to put forth like 110% kind of effort to be competitive. And a lot of it's going to be defending a lot of it's going to be kind of exhaustive output physically. That's a tough, you know, as far as as these kind of transitions that we were just talking about this time of season, that's a tough, uh, one of the tougher iterations of it. And, um, so I, I would think, uh, there would be a little bit more rotation. I mean, a part of that, we saw that with Carter Vickers, Um, you know, probably not going to be the kind of game that's going to be stressful for him on Saturday, hopefully. Um, You know, I'm fairly optimistic going into, I always say this against a Malky Mackay, you know, managed team. I, not the, you know, I think he's an okay level manager for the league, but he tends not to play that kind of bunker defensive, particularly at home um, system against us. He tends to be a little bit more progressive and, um, you know, ask his team to play a little bit more actual uh, football. So, you know, I, I think we'll get our chances as a result of that. It won't be quite as um, difficult as, as it has been recently. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. But I, because of how tough this turnaround could be, um, I'd probably prefer to lean towards more rotation than less, whatever that line is that that Rogers is comfortable with, uh, particularly guys that are going to have to put the shift in. Meaning, you know, midfield in particular. Um, you know, worry about guys like O'Reilly, who have just been really yeah. putting it out there. Um, and if he puts in a full shift on Saturday and then has to turn around and tries to put in another full one on Tuesday, I mean, that's that's a lot to ask McGregor. We've talked about a lot, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say those are the two where I wouldn't be uh, displeased if we got even if it's so oh, get up two nil and then sub them out at halftime or after 60 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, try, try to get some of these guys a little bit of freshness heading into Tuesday.
2: Yeah. I think Matt O'Reilly would be the number one name I would drop this Saturday for sheer exhaustiveness and his, our need for him in the champions league. He's the main midfielder that Celtic definitely need to function fully and be able to have it in his legs. and. Um, just, I I'm not being a Liam Scales apologist. He could have done better for the goal, right? Stop it! I just it, want to put it. that out, right? Stop. What was not? What, what why was not Phillips where he was? What was he doing? Why was he tackling the player at right back when Johnson was there? It, you know, it's an entirely different situation if he's playing where he's supposed to be playing and not fucking yeah, like twenty it. yards away from his other centre
4: back. But well, uh, this, to be to be fair, that's 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 why I said that's why I said. I was quoting Peter Grant and Greg Taylor because I uh, the same sort of thought occurred to me. I thought it was a little bit harsh on on scales, but I, I just felt you looked know, you know scales has been great. And again, when we talk about the season so far, we have to talk about. I'm hesitating to, to 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 do this, but you know the differential in fixture list, and the only reason I'm hesitant is because I think the gap between the top two and the rest of the league is so big it almost doesn't matter whether you're playing away or at home you know, against most of these teams, to be fair. Um, having said all that, you know, Easter Road, Hib, and um, Tankas, et cetera, they should be tough places to go. Um, you know, and Liam Scales has played a lot of those games and he's had a reasonable amount of defending to do and he's done a good job. Where I think we struggle with Scales is at home to St. Mirren, where you need to move the ball that that little bit quicker. That's, yep. the, that's the issue, I think, the major issue. And that's why
2: it. you bring on a midfielder, like I said, Alan.
4: James, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's actually it's actually a situation you know made for uh, the the old the old uh, was it the Lennon trick it was at Lennon or Rogers? I can't remember the trick of using Biton as the as the as the ball playing centre back uh, you know so yeah. uh, and I guess we've we've got one we've got Iwata we've got somebody that can play that role and so like actually against a bunker team having somebody who's mobile that can move the ball forward quickly from centre back. Uh, like Iwata's, it's a, it's a decent shout. So it's, it's not playing one centre back, but it's it's having having somebody there who you, who you feel you, you know is going to move the ball quickly. Yeah, uh, right. I think that's
2: where we'll park the podcast for this week. Hopefully, we'll have better performance this weekend, and that is to be followed by. I would say a nervy performance in Spain on Tuesday night. So we will be back reviewing those games as normal for next week. But until then, thanks for watching and thanks to Alan and James. And before we finish up, you might've noticed there's a weird caterpillar shadow above my upper lip. It's just, it's barely visible on the camera. So uh, bear with me. Uh, I'm not just doing it for the shits and giggles. I am doing it for Movember, which is a charity event for Uh, men's mental health for men's charities for men's cancer um and the link is in the description below if you want to donate you don't have to but it's there if you do want to donate to uh, movember and watch me grow probably the most pathetic mustache you've ever seen in your life over the next month or so on the podcast so uh thanks to everybody for watching and listening and we will chat to you next week good luck